Isa dalawa dalo apa lima anim pito walo jam sampo. This is Big C, Little C, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church, Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. We love Craig, Jonalyn, Leilani, and Myla. They were so faithful to our family, serving us in multiple ways. And they had some big news earlier this year, so we brought them in to discuss. Uh, been anxious to release this one for a while, so I hope you enjoy it and tell a friend. Pass it along. Palmers will be doing some fundraising in the near future, so keep that in mind. Uh, by the way, as I listened back, I realized I basically committed myself to giving. I may or may not have forgotten that. I hope that you will be inspired by this story. Thanks for listening. From what I know about you guys, there's been a tug and a pull both on you individually and collectively for a while now, but maybe it was um, hard to identify what it meant what it was supposed to look like and all that. And I guess from what I've heard, you've gotten some clarity over the last few months. So looking back, I know for you, Craig, there was a couple of years ago, you were really going through some mental turmoil, I believe. Looking back, it feels like now the picture is becoming clearer and we can, we will talk about that. That's why we're here. But do you feel like it needed to be now? Like you couldn't get those answers then whatever's happening for you guys right now needed to happen now. Yeah, there was definitely, um, there's a lot of things we'll go with that for timing-wise. Um, going through some stuff uh, a couple years ago, um, personally, um, need to get through some of that stuff. And then, um, not a bad thing, and it's not a crutch at all, uh, but timing-wise, it was our time to uh, help out our parents, my parents, having a place for them and, and working with them and helping them. There was also time of having a background in my work history and business uh, that needed to uh, have more experience in business. And I can get to sort of why that's important a little bit later, but it, it was it's definitely a timing thing. Uh, it's been real rough not knowing what the next thing was because I knew for years, if not a decade or more, that there was something else I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And and that was hard to to deal with because in my head I knew there was something else that God had for me to do and but he wouldn't obviously he wouldn't you know let me know what that was. And so that was wrestling with that and that in my head knowing that there was something else I was supposed to be doing or there was a, there was a next thing, but I kept on searching and looking and praying and trying to figure out what that was. And, and, um, but it, it, it all, it's all in timing. Uh, my parents are now in assisted living, uh, and they're taken care of. So that's good. 
Um, I've got a decent amount of experience in business. Uh, I've gone through some personal stuff and gotten over, you know, a lot of that. So it's it's all about timing, and it's it's come quick, and uh, um, it's all happened quick. But but it's it's happened quick, but took forever. If yeah, that makes any sure. sense. So, but it, it's 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 all in all in God's timing. Uh, and there was several aspects and angles that needed to be dealt with, matured in, and get in line before it was time for us to do this. I'm more familiar with Craig's story, obviously, but I think, gentlemen, you mentioned in the gathering, you experienced a parallel story a little bit that there was, I don't know if restless was the right word, but there was, you knew there was something different. How did you experience that? Well, um, I've always, I don't know, even in college or even what, wherever I was, I've always felt like if money wasn't ever an issue, I would just help. I would just go and help and do so for me it's I don't know, it's hard to explain. I just I just wanna go help. <laughs> um, I wanna do something other than what um what is typical of what we should be doing. I don't know if that makes sense. So the pull and the tug has always been there, just didn't know what it looked like or when. Yeah. I think you said Doug Ali. Yes, Doug and Christy Ali. Yeah. I think you said you guys just looked at each other that night yeah, Craig at and dinner I, yeah, and Yeah, Craig knew. and I did. We were out at dinner, and, you know, we had already listened to them speak and share about the Philippines and what they were doing, and I had spoken a little bit with Doug about his history and him, you know, his mom being a Filipina, and then we went out to dinner with them, and there was just, um, I don't know, I don't know if he had said something like, you know, if you guys want to come visit, you know, let us know if you want to come check it out. There was something that was said, and I remember looking up at Craig, and it was like, yep. And then we talked about it the next morning, and we said, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, it was weird. It was <laughs> definitely a God thing, um, and it's hard to really explain, but we just – I'm not always the most talkative person, so – Nope. Um, <laughs> but but we, we – uh, Somehow we always know when God has spoken to either one of us and the other affirms that and confirms it. Even in the littlest things, you know, it's like, well, I have this in my mind. I'm thinking if he says it or she says it or if I say it, okay, that's what we're going to do. That's what's going to happen. Um, and this is one of those where we were on the same page without even acknowledging we knew we had a missionary coming from the Philippines and anytime we have missionaries that come and share it always tugs mm-hmm. on my heart because I'm like I've been there you know and it's not like we had a discussion about them prior to to them coming prior to us listening to them um, share about their mission it was just there was that glance and it was like yep wow this is it yeah I mean we just we just looked at each other and it was Without saying one word, we looked at each other and basically just nodded. We nodded at each other. And we just were like, we knew what each other were thinking and knew that's what we were supposed to do. What was that for you, Jonalyn? And by the way, for more of Jonalyn's story, (laughs) revisit episode 30, I believe it is, of the Big C, Little C podcast. You know, we touched on a lot of different things in that episode. We, We mentioned that you were in New York for, what, three years as a missionary, but we didn't talk about it. So maybe we... (laughs) We can somehow sprinkle some of that in as well. But for you as someone who um, was born in Manila, grew up in the Philippines, 
was that day, you know, it was was a Sunday in February. Was that Valentine's yep. Day? It was um, Sunday, February 14th. Yeah. Was that, I mean, kind of just another Sunday? You're going to go to the gathering and you knew that we had a guest speaker. Or was that a little bit different because you knew there was a connection there to your past and, you know, were your antenna up a little bit because of them? I think I was excited. Um just because I've not been back to the Philippines since I was seven. And so to hear from someone who was just there recently, you know, um, prior to COVID, uh, basically getting an update. Not that I don't get updates from my family there, mm-hmm. um, but from a Christian mission standpoint, um, I, I guess you could say I was, you know, interested in hearing that. Now, there was a part of me that felt, I don't know, I guess you could say guilty or felt bad because I hadn't been back. Um, to back home, I guess you could call it, because that's what it's going to be is I'm coming home um, and going back to my roots. There was a part of me that kind of felt bad because here are these people, they've been there, and I have yet to go pay a visit. So, But other than that, it was just um, typical Sunday, Yeah, going to the gathering. <laughs> Again, for people who weren't there, that was sparsely attended gathering, as I recall. Um at Current Church with Doug and Kristen... Christy. Christy Ali. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of put on the bench because of the pandemic. Yeah. They and are with Global Teen Challenge, right? So they shared with us that night. I, I, there were, I could feel like they're, they're yearning to be where they belong, but they couldn't be. They shared with us and hoping to get back. I have not heard an update on that. But essentially, you guys went to dinner with them that night after the gathering. Shared the, the look. Sim- symmetry look. <laughs> And, I mean, the wheels started turning immediately, right? What was next? Yeah. Next was I cried in our kitchen because I knew what we had to do, but I knew what all it was going to entail for us to get to where God wanted us to be. And then what was the next thing, babe? No, we just knew that, (laughs) I mean, I knew there was a process to even get to that point. Um, And so I knew there was a lot of steps and a lot of things we had to get through to get to that point you don't just make the decision and then then you just you know go the next week so um so i knew there was definitely a process uh so we started educating ourselves on it um then a real good real good college friend of mine uh suggested you know with how the housing market is to to sell the house uh while it's you know as good as it is right now basically get the best value out of your house if you know you're going to be doing it in a couple years anyway um and so I, you know, I didn't think about it too much, and then I started thinking about it. And then I mentioned it to her, to Jonathan, and uh, <laughs> didn't go over real well. And uh, nope. you know, she wasn't ready yet to uh, make that make that jump, because uh, in her head, she still had a year or two before we would move out of you know the comfort of our home at that time that we had. Yeah. So, but well, I saw it. I actually messaged Christy Ali. And another missionary friend, which we can't mention um, due to the sensitiveness of their mission, and asked, you know, what what did you guys do? Did you apply to be missionaries and then sell your house? And they're like, no, we sold our house before we even applied to be MAs. I was like, okay, fine. So I took a screenshot of our conversation and I texted Craig and said, fine, let's sell the house. (laughs) Wow. So we jumped right in and started the process through AGWM, which is Assemblies of God World Missions, and uh, started going through the process. 
you know, those references and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So uh, there's a lot that goes along with that. I mean, they do their due diligence to make sure that we're serious about it. Um, The AG does a real nice job on on how they uh, orchestrate all that, and their process is very thorough. Uh, They don't just send just anybody, um, so they want to make sure they get references. I mean, the kids have references, their principals, their teachers, you know, our pastor. So it's a little tough to do it on the DL. I mean, it's not, you know, my employer, my boss. Man, it's extensive. I mean, it... They do background check. I mean, they do. They they look into it to see if you know. First of all, just you know, make sure. Are you doing it for the right reasons? And that we're for real. Um, you know, part of it is I think a process to, you know, to uh, make sure that you know we're for real and it's not just on a whim. Uh, but then they're also you know making sure they're doing their homework and making sure that we're being, being and have been good stewards of, you know, finances how we live and everything so i mean i mean it's important i mean if they're going to back us as a uh, denomination and uh basically put their stamp on us uh they're going to do their homework i mean just like with any other employer to be honest so ag wm wm so the idea is for you to be missionary assistants at first right so basically the steps of being being a missionary at least through the ag some is a god is they recommend you be an, a, uh, an MA first, mm-hmm. so missionary assistant first, um, you know, for a couple different reasons. One, to go over there, start doing it, and make sure that's something you definitely want to do, right? Two, you don't have to raise as much money. You're basically just raising money to live on um, because once you become a career, not only do you have to raise the money to live on, but then you raise the money for the ministry that you're doing there. So it's a lot bigger budget you have to do. So the first step, you know, they always recommend us to do, they for anybody to do, um, is to be MAs at first uh, for many different reasons. So, um, um, but going back to them is uh, since it's their first uh, stint as being career coming off MA, a lot of times they like to put MAs with people that are seasoned uh, career missionaries. Um, so there's a chance we could uh, be with them, um, but we we're still in the beginning stages, you know, getting our passports and all this different stuff. So we're we're still in what they consider the second, you know, initial phase uh, of going through the process of uh, being missionaries. So um, so there's there's a good chance we probably won't be with them, um, and I guess we can get into that a little bit later of sort of what we'll be doing. Uh, we're still trying to figure that out, and I've talked to missionaries from over there and uh just sought guidance and just talking with them um and uh there's an area director that's over that area um and they basically get to know us what our background is what our passions are and basically you know set us up with you know a handful of uh, missionaries that would really that would fit and really really mentor us as well um um and, and one of the things that he said, there was a missionary I talked to that's been over there for 17 years. And he actually said, you know what? Because I told him my history in business and everything. And he goes, he goes, actually, he's like, actually, there's there's actually a, a lot of pastors um, over here. What we what would be good is to have a business person over here. Wow. Um, and so that really resonated with me. So that goes back to timing, right? Sure. And so what I was talking about before is timing and business. So having the experience uh, with the company I'm in with, um, you know, 
and being several different types of management experience um, and now being over a center and uh, running it. But uh, And then also got a, a text from my dad last night about a video resonating exactly the exact same thing that, that missionary said mm-hmm. is talking about business people or business in missions. And they were basically saying that's where it's going and that's what they need. And that's, you know, so it was... It was very interesting, and the company that we were talking about that, you know, that's uh, sort of incorporated with the place my parents stay, that's who they are, so I've actually reached out and maybe get connected with them as well and see how that, see what that, what goes with that. So, anyway, so we're, we're still trying to sort of answer your question. We're still figuring out where that, where exactly, who we'll be with and what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, but I could definitely see it's going to be something business-wise. Um, and helping help that way. And he said he doesn't talk much. <laughs> I think they called it modern missions from that video because we, when we think about missions, you know, back then or whenever our parents, it was you know pastors going in um, and starting a, a missions, you know, being missionaries. But now, like he said, they, they're more interested in having someone come in, obviously faith-based and someone who has a relationship with Christ, but business-minded, because there are a lot of pastors there. Do you think it feels like selling the house was a first step of obedience, a hard step of obedience? Yes. I mean, I had been to your house. That place was great. So, long story short, you sold your house right away, right? And then yeah. moved to an apartment in Franklin. Uh, a house, yeah, a rental. Oh, sorry, yes. That's okay. So, you probably are already kind of feeling temporary, right? Um, do you think that was a necessary step, maybe? Or do you think that was a useful stepping stone? Selling the house, a necessary step. Yeah, and just kind of displacing yourself is almost like a ABC kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Absolutely, because when we get to our destination, we will be displaced as yeah. well. So why not start now? Um, was it hard to to obey and do that? Absolutely. Um, but I think we also did it because we didn't want to, you know, two years from now, if it was time for us to leave and head to um, our mission field, we didn't want to be stuck with the house and then having you know to rent it and then have to deal with that we wanted to be able to go to our mission field and focus um being there it it was definitely a smart decision and like my friend brought it up and uh, i hadn't thought of it but you know just with how the housing market is it's just a smart business decision to be honest Uh, but it also made it real though too um i bet so it you know made it you know you know, getting rid of stuff, already starting pilfering through some of the stuff that we don't need. Um, so it's already got us on that track. So I mean, I think it's I think it's good um, to go ahead and start making it real and, and going that way. Downsizing. <laughs> yeah. If you really zoom out here and, and look at the puzzle pieces that God is putting together for this for this family for this mission for this country that you're headed to, the ingredients are kind of amazing. Somebody who grew up, as Craig said, third world style, then would go on to almost immediately after becoming a Jesus follower, move to New York to do missions for three years, having that experience. Craig, having your experience uh, serving in churches your entire life, seeing ministry life up close from your dad and your brothers, 
and then becoming what I might say is an elite business mind in our midst. The ingredients that God has equipped you with and then put you two together could be make for a really dynamic kingdom serving family, I think. Is that easy to see now or is that still a process to get adjusted to? No, I think it's a cool, I mean, I've thought about all that. And um, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely, again, it goes back to timing. Um, but no, I definitely see with uh, Jalen's past, um, the things she's been through, uh, where she can, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer on what you've been through and God's put you through is something that you can now turn and help someone that's going through that, that you already lived it. Um, that's sort of going to a different layer. But so I, th- I think it's cool to be able to, to look back and see that we're going to be able to, you know, she's definitely got some, some awesome stuff to, to pull from her history, her experience, her life, um, and her passions and then already having knowledge of that area of the world, the language barrier, you know, she's decently fluent at that. Um, and, and knowing the culture for the most part, um, and having family over there, um, having a heart for people and helps ministry. And then me with, you know, seeing, you know, ministry behind the scenes for my whole life. Um, and then, you know, a business aspect. So, I mean, it's, it is cool to see how, how God's putting it all together and be able to use. But, I mean, I, that's also with just, you know, I mean, this is a cool. it's cool to look at it that way. But, I mean, God does that with anybody, any couple. They use their past, yeah. their past, yeah. both each individual past and their experiences, their expertise, and puts it together and uh, – and whatever it looks like. So, I mean, I think God does that all the time with couples all the time, but, but I mean, it is cool to look at it though. One thing that we were talking about off mic or while we were not recording is those first years from zero to what, seven and a half, I guess, how we didn't really address exactly how challenging it was. And Craig, you were telling me some things and and you can get into it if you like, but the redeeming power of God to take that story and send you back into that country. If you'd like to speak to that, I think this would be a good place in the episode for that. Um, I, I never thought that I would be married to a PK. Let's say that first. Pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, I worked at the district office for several years um, in the women's ministry department. And then, of course, they had ISOM, which is the Indiana School of Ministry. And there were a few times where I was encouraged, you know, maybe you should sit in um, and listen to some of the the teachings or you should take a class, you know, it'd be discounted. And I'm like, but why? Like, I am not going to be a preacher's wife. There's no way. They couldn't handle me. Like, I'm going to step on a lot of toes if I ever became a preacher's wife. And that's always stayed with me. And then I remember when we we felt that it was time for us to go out to the mission field. And then I remember telling Jean about that feeling of being a preacher's wife. You know, I don't know how they're going to take me. And he said, these are your people. Like, you will be able to speak to them, you know, in your, the way your personality is. And, of course, share with them. Um, the things that you've gone through and how how God has, you know, redeemed that and how they can come out of that as well. Um, so 
I don't think I'm going to be like, I don't know, I don't, maybe I could be wrong, but I don't envision myself like constantly spewing out scripture. You know, I'm more like reality, like let's touch on what has put you through the hard times, what, and how God can bring that out and make you whole again is I guess what I'm trying to say. As we've talked this episode and the one with you, I keep hearing like this deep seated belief in the redeeming power of Christ's love. I mean, do we want to talk about specifics of what you went through as a small child? Um, you know, we were talking about the healing process of, of what you've carried with you and how to know you today is to know a well-adjusted, effective, clear thinking, mentally strong woman I, of God. I will say that um, I went through a very difficult time with my mom growing up difficult and as a kid not understanding why I just felt like everything was my fault and then as I got older and as I started going to church I started to realize that a lot of her pain and hurts and whether she would admit to that that's that's not on me but a lot of the things that she went through manifested onto me um, and there was for a year or two, there was redemption there in that relationship. There was forgiveness. And I remember vividly someone telling me, you don't always have to wait for them to come and apologize to you. You can forgive them without them asking for forgiveness because that allows you yourself to be free of whatever is holding you back. I love her. I do. Um, and there was a time where everything was okay. And then it went back to a time where it was not. And clearly that's what I knew. I can't keep doing this. I have, I now have children of my own and I don't need that to be a part. Um, because I also want to show them that they too can walk away from something that whether you love them, you too can walk away from that so that you can keep your peace of mind. Um, and as for myself, all the, the hurt, the pain, the confusion, the just the wondering, um, God has definitely, and we talked about the supernatural healing, because um, I could, I could sit here every day and let that consume me and let it define me in such a negative way that my family does not matter. But in, when in fact they do, and God has shown himself so big in that area of my life that it's okay. You can forgive her. You don't have to forget everything that happened, but you can still forgive in order for you to love on your own kids, to love on others around you. Because even for the longest time, I would not allow anyone to come near me. I had walls. It was like basically an onion. Um, and I even had a friend that said, you don't know how to love and she was right. I didn't because it was never shown to me until I found Christ. Um, and that was a game changer. Craig, maybe this is a good time to make your point. You were telling me about not letting that past. You took it much more eloquently than just don't let your past define your future. But if you wouldn't mind walking us through kind of what you're, how you see Jonathan through that lens. Um, it could be very easy. And this is for everybody. And even in the time we live in now, right, and the culture we live in now, currently, 
it's very easy for people to say, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know I grew up totally different than you did. Say privilege, say whatever. You know, I could go be very so-called politically incorrect, but especially now in the world we live in right now, Jalen is a perfect example of no matter what your past was like, whether it was, I mean, people in America, there's no one, hardly really, hardly anyone that's living like she did the first six years of her life in third world country type of living. Um, growing up uh, in different types and different styles and varieties of abuse growing up. For anyone that's listening, this is a great example to know that it doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter what you how you grew up, um, you know, whether the person across the street, you know, grew up in this, you know, a lot better situation, a lot more money, a lot more love of family, you know, had all this stuff, right? Privilege, whatever you want to call it. That doesn't matter. Does it help? Yes, it can. But it, it, it can't define you. You've got to get past that. And you have to look towards the future and... And God is a huge factor in that, though, um, to help get through all that. Um, but it doesn't, you know, she could definitely be, Jalen could definitely be, you know, um, letting her past define her, letting her past completely, you know, not moving forward in her future, um, not, you know, knowing how to love, not knowing that there's any hope. So God is a huge part of that in her life um, and people along the side of her that are, you know, Christians that love her. And uh, but I mean, it's it, it's a great example of it doesn't matter what you've come from. Um, it's what it's what you make of it and what you do moving forward. You got anything to add, Leilani? Where are we going to have somebody count? Myla or Leilani. One through ten. Can you tell them what you're doing? I'm gonna count. She's gonna count to go like one through ten. <laughs> Slowly. Isa Delawa Dalo Apa Lima Anim Pito Walo Sham Sampo. How do you say Cough I love time. you in Tagalog? Mahalkita. Good job. Nice. Nice phrasing. How are you with the language still after all these years? Uh, I would say pretty decent. My yeah. uh, my brother who lives in um, Waukegan, Zion, somewhere around there, Illinois, he will call me and basically speak to me in Tagalog. And I'll start out, you know, replying to him in Tagalog. And then when I get stuck, I throw in an English word in there. <laughs> I mean, it's da 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 uh couch and then um but when i hear others speaking i can kind of, i can make it out you know what they're saying it's uh it's a i don't know it's familiar to me and i've uh tried teaching the girls even leilani when she was about myla's age how to count one through ten um i've always wanted them to be able to speak a different language as well i remember when i think about you guys you've already rid yourself of a lot of earthly possessions you're in the process of ridding yourself of earthly comfort zones 
how intimidating is that and how long term are you guys thinking this might be i'll answer your second one first because it's easier uh this is something that this is career this is uh, we don't see an ending to it it's probably a god thing but it's actually freeing to start going down the path of uh getting rid of everything because and it, it definitely has to be a god thing because i really to be honest we're gonna before we leave and go over there we're gonna definitely sell everything we're gonna have a few totes of uh memorabilia and stuff like that we'll park the van somewhere uh so when we're coming back itinerating and whatnot in between times but it's to be honest it actually is pretty cool and i have no i, I could care less i'm i could i could have people walk through our house tonight and have an estate sale and get rid of everything we have i don't really care it doesn't bother me it's actually freeing is that your nature or has is god brought you to that place I don't know. She can he's probably always, answer that better than me. He's always been very minimal. Yeah. Um, you know, he's also, I remember we were <laughs> a few years back when we were looking for a house. And um, I guess it's opposite of, of my growing up, always thinking, we got to have this, we got to have that, we got a big house, we got to have a big yard, and this car and that car. And just because I didn't have that growing up, um, but then when we were looking at a house, he's like, why do we need such a big bedroom? What do you do in a bedroom? You sleep. It's not like you invite friends over and, <laughs> hey, come hang out in my bedroom. I'm like, oh, well, you're right. So what we really need is just a bigger living room, bigger kitchen, and, you know, we don't need a big bedroom. So I've, I've understood that about him. Um, and he's been very minimal about things, and it's so hard to buy gifts for him. Ugh. Also, he's turning 40 this weekend. Um, <laughs> but um, even now, just trying to get rid of stuff, it's it's hard for me. Um, and I'm not really sure how the girls quite feel about that. We've tried to tell them, you know, we're not taking all your toys with us to the Philippines. Um, we're going to be getting rid of these things. And by the time we go, they're going to be a little older. And a lot of things that I think they're going to want to possess are more books, you know, things that they can hold on to, not necessarily like toys that are in packaging. But I don't know how Leilani feels about that. So You're from- going to take your clothes. Lego. Your Legos? Oh, yeah, about all that. <laughs> So from a practical standpoint, is there kind of a loose timeline in your head? And what are, I know it's been crazy getting all the applications and the referrals in order. I know that's been a full-time job almost in, in addition to moving this summer and closing a church, by the way. Wait, what? <laughs> Breaking news. Um, and, and I do. I, want, I would kind of want to bring that into the question as well. And you guys are fruit of current church. You are sent out by current church, but current church will will not be by the time you guys hit the mission field. That's correct. Is that um, from fundraising standpoint and all that? Like, that chair may go back all the way. I'll re-ask the question. Um, it's a good thing he knows how to edit. 
Sorry, Jeremy. There will be no edits. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are fruit of current church. You are sent out by current church, a church that won't physically exist by the time you guys get sent out, even though you are fruit from our gathering. Is that a little bit weird? And also what is next after you guys get approved? When does the fundraising actually start? Uh, the first thing, is it weird? No, because I'm, I'm just a firm believer in if it's a God thing, it's going to work out both financially and in every aspect. So I'm real flexible, forced to be in the ministry with my parents all my life. Um, so, I mean, I'm just a firm believer that, you know, it's going to work out and it's all going to be good. Not too worried about it. Um, when does fundraising start? Yeah. So we go through this first application, do all the references, do the background check. Get her passports, um, you know, exam. physical exam, all the different stuff. So we're that's sort of like the second initial stage. Um, we get we got interviewed by uh, the district. Um, in our right. district, there is a world missions person that's head heads up the world missions in our district, and um, we've already had that interview with him, um, and they basically want to hear, you know, hear from both of us. Um, you know why we're doing it what's our passion what's our background and uh make sure you know we're legit stable you know this is definitely our calling you know just through a conversation be able to, to uh you know be able to know all that and then they put their check mark on it district wise and then so once we go through all that uh then it goes to the national level and then they review our whole application it was a lengthy application they fill out about both of us and our kids and they take all that put it all together and then they uh, basically yay or nay or whatever and then there's a uh, conference a two-week conference that we'll go to uh, it'll be next summer uh, because if you're bringing kids uh, you have to go to the summer one and the kids actually talking with Ali's actually a couple weeks ago uh, found out that the kids actually go through training themselves and um, they take them you know, as we're doing our thing, they actually take the kids and go do a separate thing with them. Oh, wow. And um, they actually really start training them and, you know, with with food and with all different types of stuff. And they really, you know, push them as well to, to get them their mindset and their reality of what's going to happen. Start working with them as well in their own specific individual, you know, way as a kid. So, so next summer... If everything works out right, uh, next summer we'll have a two-week conference in Springfield, uh, which is where the AG is headquarters is nationally. And then once we go from there, once we're approved, the whole fundraising part will start once we're approved by the national, you know, by Springfield, right? The headquarters, um, the head AGWM. And uh, once we do that and we're officially finally approved for sure to go into it, and we're placed with the missionary we're going to be with, then we can start fundraising. Um, so we'll have that two-week conference next summer and a year from now, but we'll we'll start fundraising. In my head, I see it being this fall, this winter is when we'll start doing that. Is that you know just going to AG churches in Indiana basically and 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 presenting your cause, or is it a little more nuanced than that? So as MAs, it's a little bit different. Careers different. They have a stipulation with MAs. Uh, first of all, they're not having to, like I said before, they don't have to raise as much money. They're just raising living expenses. Career, they're 
raising living expenses and their ministry. So it's a lot larger of a fundraiser that they have to do. Um, the stipulations of being an MA is you basically can only talk to churches and people that you know or through people that you know. Okay. You know, so so basically our network. So, I mean, that could be through Gene, through my family, through, you know, different people that, you know, my friends that know, you know, pastors or, you know, whatever. So, but it's basically got to be through. Uh, people that we know to no. raise the to raise the fund. It's no, there's no cold calling yeah. like career missionaries can do. They okay. can they could reach out to anybody all over the country, email, call whoever if if you know they, anybody that they don't know, and just try to you know raise funds. We as MAs we have to do it through our network. For those of us at Current Church who will be interested in eventually supporting you guys, I'm sure you don't have your. Your donation page up quite yet, or your Facebook page to follow. I mean, what are some of the plans, or if somebody does want to keep tabs on you, what would you advise? Well, I've got Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> um, Craig's not very big. His presence isn't. I mean, not very big, but like he's not on social media as much as I am. Um, and of course, people can always text us or call us, email us. We're pretty. Uh, I mean, we communicate. I would say pretty decent to people. We reply when we need to reply. Um, Basically, but we can't take you know funds right now. We don't have an account set up for those funds to go into. But and you know down the road, they can always call us or once we have a page up for funding. I'm sure John will post something once we get into that stage of of this process. So there'll be a. Um you know, a link that she'll, I'm sure she'll put on her Facebook and be able to uh, allow people to be able to do, uh, you know, either support. Um, with fundraising, it's two things. It's it's a, a basically a cash, a certain amount. And AG, some of the guys has done this for a long time, so they, they're real good with this. And um, um, But there's two different things you have to do. Uh, we have to raise a, a sort of a lump sum cash amount. Um, and that'll be they'll they'll say what that is and what needs to be based off of you know plane tickets and all different stuff that you know initial setup type of stuff of moving over there and whatever. Um, so we have to raise a, a certain budget of okay. of money right then, basically in the bank account type of thing. Um, and then then this the other aspect of that is raising a monthly budget. So we'll have to have commitments from individuals or churches. Um, and they'll they'll let us know what that what that amount is that we have to raise per month. So there's two separate things that we have to raise to before we can go over there. So I hope this question isn't gratuitous, but as we um, obviously this spring this summer, I've been thinking a lot about the legacy of Current Church, and I think those of us who are close to Gene, one of our jobs is to help him understand the impact that he has had the fruit that has come out of the gathering, that it's ongoing. This is a brilliant example of that, obviously. If you could maybe both answer this question in your own way, what will you take from the culture of current church as you go to do this task, this kingdom work that you've been called to? What will you take specifically from the culture, you know, not just Gene, but the culture that that the gathering, the family facilitated? Um, I think for me... One of the things would be that 
I don't know, I was used to going to church making sure I was uh, either wearing a dress or a skirt and dressed up nice. Um, and then attending current, it was like, you can come wearing jeans. And holy cow, our pastor is covered in tattoos. And that is absolutely okay. Um, that doesn't change his relationship with Christ. Another thing that um, I think I would take is that we have allowed the Holy Spirit to just engulf us. Um, we we wait sometimes on the Holy Spirit. We don't rush, you know, we don't have a, I mean, you, you could say we have somewhat of a timeline. Obviously, you want to stay organized and scheduled, but like, okay, three songs, done, next, prayer, done. And, you know, it's not a, I don't know, it's not a strict uh, laid out schedule, but more so freely to allow the Holy Spirit to move, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us um, and waiting on that and listening for what God needs to tell us. Um, I think I will definitely, that's one of the things um, that has always resonated with me for as long as we've been at Current. I remember I had brought a friend to the Gear 1.0 three hours later she mm-hmm. commented and said, I didn't even know we've been in here for three hours. Does not even feel like that. Because I remember specifically that night, we just worshipped and worshipped and worshipped. And then Jean, you know, shared a small message, short message, and we worshipped some more. Um, and I love that, you know. It doesn't always have to be, like I said earlier, you know, three worship songs, a message, one more song, dismiss, you know. For me, there's some things that, I don't know, being, I guess, a part of Current for as long as I have been, um, there's some things that I just don't, almost don't even realize because it's come second nature. So it's almost, for me, I'm not the best with words and remembering and all the different stuff, but, and John can tell you that, but, um, but, so I mean, some of it is just now become second nature. So being in that environment for so long, being around Gene and in the gathering and outside of the gathering quite a bit um and the people there in that environment and culture and dna it's sort of now just in, ingrained with, in me without even really thinking about it to be honest um some things that comes to my mind though is the realness uh, of just being real um accepting of anybody uh no matter what uh walk of life i mean one of the things that you know when gene uh started the church uh, current church uh, was basically, you know, in his head, was reaching those that would not be accepted in some other churches. Um, so I mean, definitely, just hearing people's stories. So, I mean, we'll take that to wherever we end up, but not caring where they came from, not caring what they look like, getting to know them, loving on them, and not having any, you know, preconceived ideas about somebody, not, you know, profiling them. You know, but just just being real and and loving towards them, no matter what they look like, no matter how what they came from, uh, just being real and loving and accepting towards anybody. Awesome! It's late. Uh, we love you guys. Proud of you. Can't wait to be able to support you, be a part of it in a very small way. I hope the family continues to stay in touch with you guys and support as well. Um, Jonathan, would you like to leave us with a few words in your native tongue? <laughs> wow. I could say maraming salamat. 
which means thank you very much um, for having us here, um, for wanting to hear our story and what God has uh, given us as a vision and as a calling, not just for Craig and I, but for our family. listening to Big C, Little C, theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.